Hello and welcome to night number three of 31 Nights of Frights, year three, the franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. So for night number three, I would say we probably have one of the most original horror franchises here. And it's honestly more in line with, I guess, A Nightmare on Elm Street in a way. But it couldn't be any more different. If anything, it has more parallels to Candyman, which I also think is one of the most original horror franchises out there. Adapted from his novel The Hellbound Heart, this is Clive Barker's 1987 masterpiece, Hellraiser. Hellraiser tells the story of an unfaithful wife, Julia, who encounters the skinless corpse of her lover, Frank Cotton, in the Cotton family home. Due to complete chance, Frank is more or less resurrected due to blood, and he needs blood to basically regain all of his functions and his body as Frank himself escaped from the Cenobites, who are these sadomasochistic demons in hell. Alright, I think that sums it up pretty well. Of course, that is a little bit of a strange description, and I know it sounds a little over the top, and it is. Uh, Clyde Barker has a very over-the-top style. He is very well known for his great grand finishes in his novels as well as his movies and Hellraiser just so happened to be his first directed film so in Clive Barker's directorial debut he decided to adapt his own novel The Hellbound Heart. Along the way we are introduced to Kirsty Cotton played by Ashley Lawrence and she's more or less the hero of our story here and makes different appearances throughout the Hellraiser series. One of the most fascinating things about Hellraiser is how it came to be. Clive Barker was very unhappy with some of the adaptations of his stories, and specifically stories that were taken from his Books of Blood series, which featured a number of short stories which were actually adapted into various films. One of those was Rawhead Rex and Transmutations. Clive Barker was very unhappy with director George Pablo's handling of the material, so with that, Clive Barker set out to make a movie himself. And it's even more incredible that Hellraiser turned out to be a competent film, considering Clive Barker only had some plays under his belt as far as working in theater and such. And, well, it's actually a really good horror film. And it's a great horror film that isn't even all the way horror. At the core and heart of the story, we have a very human story of a wife that is cheating on her husband. She loves her husband. However, she doesn't really love him the way she should. He's a very boring guy. And on her wedding day, she cheats on him with his brother, Frank. And so you have a very human story about adultery and basically those people that are the sinners. They ultimately pay for their sins and also 
pay for their crimes against what is right and wrong morally. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things about this movie is because when you look at any of the movie posters for Hellraiser, the first one specifically, what do you see? You see Pinhead. He is that iconic villain. But no, he's not a villain here. The main villain that you have here is Julia. Julia and Frank, because Frank needs blood to survive. And Julia is more than happy to go and kill for him and bring him men so that he can take their blood and their life essence. Almost very vampiric. And I think it's kind of an interesting way of carrying out a vampire-esque story. And it winds up getting reworked into something altogether different. And that's one of the things that really makes the movie great is because you do have those expectations that Pinhead is going to be in this movie a lot. But no, he's in the movie for maybe five minutes or so, I think. Him and his other Cenobite demons. And that's really what makes the movie great because when Pinhead shows up with his other Cenobites, you know something important is going to happen. Pinhead is used as a catalyst for things that happen in the movie. However, he is by no means the villain of the story here. Instead, you do have that cheating wife and her lover that she's so obsessed with that she's willing to commit murder and help him commit murder to do it. And I would say that it's completely different just specifically because those expectations that you have of the movie are shattered. To some, it may be that it's a letdown that Pinhead isn't in more scenes, but he is such a great character because when he speaks, it's very poetic. And I really like the fact, too, that Pinhead and the Cenobites themselves are almost like judge, jury, and executioner. They completely judge somebody for what they did as far as their sins, and it's really what makes this movie different, and it's what makes it a masterpiece, because we do have that very human story about morals and adultery and going for that forbidden fruit, so to speak. Honestly, as simple as what the story is, there's so much going on that it's amazing that Clive Barker was able to balance the entire thing. And I don't think everything in the movie works. However, it mostly works as a whole. And for him being a first-time director here and a first-time screenwriter, it's all the more impressive. The fact that this movie was made for roughly about a million bucks and that they were able to actually secure financing to make a movie like this is impressive on its own, specifically because it didn't have that big studio backing to it. I know New Line Cinema was a small releasing company when they released A Nightmare on Elm Street. However, they were much bigger than I would say New World Pictures, which are the ones that financed this one as well as financed the sequel, Hellbound Hellraiser 2. On a miniature $1 million budget, which give or take, I guess, probably 100000 bucks, you have a movie that looks fantastic with its special effects, 
most of the special effects, in my opinion, still hold up. And I'm still in amazement at the skinned Frank with the way he looks. The fact that they were able to do a multi-layer application of the prosthetics and everything to the actor that played Frank is absolutely incredible because it looks great. It looks realistic. Everything is suitably goopy and disgusting looking and it completely works for the movie. We also have a very cool demon at the very end. It looks fantastic and how they were able to actually build this creature and do it as a giant maquette puppet type of idea is very, very impressive. This one here I don't think gets the respect that it deserves. It did make roughly about 14 to 15 million box office worldwide, which is a pretty great return based off of the 1 million budget. Not bad at all. I do like some of the more odd things about the movie, such as the, I guess, protector of the box. It's a homeless man, more or less, and that later becomes the demon. It's all the more funny that he does somewhat resemble a homeless Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers, the quarterback, if you do not know who that is. Look it up and then look at the homeless man. It's, it looks like it could be his twin. But all kidding and jokes aside on that, it is actually a cool idea that there's always somebody more or less like watching to protect the box. And I think that was a good inclusion. It kind of adds a little bit of a weirdness kind of flair to it. And the homeless man is actually the one that turns into the demon at the very end of the movie and flies away with the box. And I think that was actually a good way to end the movie because it almost ends exactly where it starts. Based off of what I remember from the original novel, The Hellbound Heart, I did read it a while back. I'm disappointed that the movie toned it down, but I can understand of why some things would be toned down. I would say that Frank's um, incestuous calls to his niece, Kirsty, I would say that they're probably worse in the book. But either way, Frank is a despicable person, and you really don't want to see him or Julia succeed. I think Claire Higgins is near perfect as far as being the despicable Julia in the film. And Frank, for being her manipulator, I think he's suitably unredeemable with the way he does things. I did mention Ashley Lawrence as Kirsty. I think she's probably one of the strongest uh, scream queens, if you want to call her that. She definitely does a good job here as far as her acting. I think she's a very strong character. And I think her character is fleshed out even with the screen time that she's given here. I do actually have to give an extra shout out to Ashley Lawrence because she was very cool to me at the Spooky Empire convention last year. I did make somewhat of a fool of myself in front of her because I got starstruck. She was the first autograph that I got there. And well, I had to have my girlfriend step in and save me because Ashley Lawrence asked for my name. And, well, I said, yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot my name. Um, so thankfully I had Nicole to save me there in that moment. And thank you to her, Ashley Lawrence, for actually going and putting up with my awkwardness 
when I had a slight conversation with her about Hellraiser and such. It goes without saying here that Hellraiser is probably one of my favorite horror franchises, if not my favorite, specifically because I do like a lot of Clive Barker's works. I think Clive Barker is a true talent, and again, at Spooky Empire, I had the pleasure of meeting Clive Barker, and he really is a fascinating guy, and I like the fact that he seems to actually take an interest in you when you talk to him and ask him questions and well i think hellraiser is almost a perfect horror film because it is that multi-layered film and it carried across some of the things that are in clive barker's works such as them being multi-layered as far as making you think a little bit uh, as far as the poetic dialogue we get all of that here and this was the the start of a great franchise in my opinion. I do know that Clive Barker has some thoughts about the Hellraiser series and is currently trying to get back the rights to Hellraiser. I personally hope they keep making Hellraiser films, but if they don't, I think we have a solid series of films that I will be getting into later. But there is some bad ones, I will admit. But with any horror franchise that has gone on for 10 movies, that's almost bound to happen. And with that, I think I'm going to close out night number three. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. Also, if you don't do the social media thing, drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you do have a free moment, please feel free to leave a five-star rating on the podcast listening platform of your choice it'll allow me to reach new listeners and also i simply love those digital hugs but with that being said be kind and good night